But then, you know, when I would come home to this amazing apartment, yes, I'm grateful, but I'm also recognizing that there's something that's not fully there. You know, it's important that we as people recognize when something's within us that's not fully there. And then we have to go search it so we can create ourselves or create, you know, that wholesome life for ourselves. Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone, sometimes I'm dining with friends, and sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Born and raised in Queens, New York, Kelsey Medard is a social entrepreneur with a demonstrated history of harnessing her exceptional skill set to serve others in effective, strategic, and high-impact ways. After graduating from law school and working at one of the top global law firms, she chose to leave behind her six-figure salary in order to deepen her direct work with the community. To take her efforts to the next level, she later established Grow by Three, a consulting firm designed to create shifts in organizational culture and assist individuals in successfully accessing new opportunities. Hey, Kelsey, it is so good to have you here. Thank you for coming on Diversity Dish. It is a true pleasure. I'm so glad to be here and I'm really excited for this conversation. So thank you so much. Absolutely. It is my pleasure to have you here. Before I get into all the meat and potatoes, as I like to say, you know, because we're on diversity dish, I usually like to have my listeners learn a little bit more about my guests. So right now, I would like for you to tell us what it is that you are most passionate about. I will say that I am extremely, maybe most passionate about the concept of awareness and bringing awareness to different topics, different issues. I know, especially this year, people have been so focused on change and finding solutions to many of the problems that are affecting our society, but many of us aren't fully aware of what's actually happening and how we've gotten here over the years and through generations and generations. So to me, Bringing awareness is so important, and that's kind of what I have been trying to do in my personal life with the business that I own. It's called Grow by Three. We've been doing so much work to raise awareness, to share insight, and shed light on a lot of different topics so that people can kind of be equipped with the tools to start these conversations so that they can create the meaningful change that they're hoping to launch into society. Right. Well, you mentioned Grow by Three, so that was going to be my next question to you. Tell us a little bit about your company, Grow by Three. Yes. So it's, as I sort of talk about awareness and insight, it just leads me to why I even created the company in the first place. Um, I often found that in order to achieve anything new, and this was sort of in my personal life, in order to achieve anything new or to um, successfully reach a new endeavor, all three things usually needed to be present. And those three things were insight, understanding, and evolution. 
First, I needed the insight to know that something was even possible for me. Then I needed to understand how the steps to achieve it related to my own personal circumstances. Because you can hear advice from everybody, but if you don't understand how it really can play out in your own life, it's gonna be hard for you to work toward that. Um, and then finally, you need to sort of evolve every day. You need actionable steps that you're taking in order to get closer and closer to that goal. And that evolution is what is ultimately gonna allow you to bring that dream forth. And so grow by three is just, I guess you can say the essence of that motto or that mantra, which is in order for you to grow, you do need those three things. And so we really inject that into all of our services and we mainly do consulting and we consult with companies as well as individuals. And so on the organizational level, we're working with organizations to help them become more diverse, inclusive, equitable, more engaged, especially among different teams. And then we also work with individuals to help them achieve um, new levels or new goals in their lives. So whether you're trying to change, um, change careers or transition careers, or they're trying to kind of just develop some of their skills as it relates to networking and other things of that nature, we work with them um, directly to help them do that. So that's the bulk of what we do. We, we, we have a lot of other things going on. Like we have a mentorship program, you know, we host a lot of different events. So it is a really exciting um, opportunity to just kind of raise awareness for different things, you know, mainly related to education, social justice, and how professional and organizational development can, can move that needle. Nice. Well, I know that you left a nine to five or maybe, I don't know, nine to nine, considering <laughs> it was a legal profession in order to do Grow by Three. And so what was your, what was your motivation to leave your job to just say, you know what, I'm going to do this? Hi, I bet you're wondering how you can work with me. Well, wonder no more. Just go to diversitydish.com and get all the information right there at your fingertips. Whether you need an equity and inclusion consultant, speaker, or a coach to help you discover your social justice sweet spot, I'm here to serve. Diversitydish.com. I look forward to meeting you. Yeah, so just to give you a little bit, you know, of insight, as I should say, about my back, <laughs> play on words here. Uh, I went to law school and then started working at um, a large law firm. I'm doing commercial litigation, and I that opportunity was like my dream job at the time. It was everything that I wanted because um, just I don't even need to go into the wealth of reasons that I really wanted to pursue that, but. After I got there, I realized, okay, there are a couple of things that might be missing in my life. And, you know, I went to law school so that I could help people directly. And I did feel like I was helping in a way. I was doing commercial litigation. So I'm mainly helping sort of businesses and executives, mm -hmm. things of that nature. And I was doing tons of pro bono, but I, I really didn't feel like the pro bono was scratching the itch of how much I wanted to be in the community and work with people. And I found that when I could do anything else, I was usually trying to give back in some way. So whether that's meeting with students to help them figure out what they want to do in law school and beyond, or helping them prepare resumes and cover letters and just doing whatever I could to help them feel confident to go and take that leap to find the opportunity of their dreams too. 
I was creating programs and trying to help people do different things so that we can build pipelines to help more diverse law students get into these different opportunities that are so highly coveted. And so then I was like, okay, I love being a lawyer, but I also, I need to be a little bit more creative in what I can do to help others. And so that led me to joining a law school admissions um, office so that I could support them as the assistant director. And through that work, I started to get a closer and closer understanding of what is necessary to help people get from just thinking about applying and actually going forward with it and then even getting accepted and then hopefully seeing how they can do this and actually accomplish the goal of joining the legal field in the end. Once I kind of saw all that it takes, I was like, okay, I need to be doing much more to help these people. Mm. And so I, I need to get to the source of this and start from the very bottom. And so that's what led me into Grow by Three is sort of recognizing there's all these different things that people need. People need insight to even know how to make it here. Even part of our mentorship, the reason why we start as early as high school is so that we can start forming a lot of those connections to what's necessary to get in the field that you want to be in and not just get a job, you know, not just get a job to pay the bills, but get a job that you enjoy, mm-hmm. get a job that is aligned with who you are, and to get a job that's going to help you achieve the goals that you may have set for yourself or for generations to come. Nice. I love it. It's, I love the uh, path. It's so, it's so interesting because like you said, a lot of times you're coming out of college, you're coming out of law school and you're like, yes, I'm going to get that big buck uh, position. It's going to be great. I'm going to have this amazing apartment. I don't know. Being a New York girl, just like me, I know the dream for me was always, I'm going to live in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a place in Manhattan. I'm going to go, I'm going to be on, I'm going to go to work in Manhattan. I'm going to have a place. In, yeah. And then you get there and you're just kind of like, okay, Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it kind of felt like. And I, I took some of my summer opportunities in New York um, so that I could try to figure out, okay, um, do I want to actually be in New York? I mean, most of my family is there and that was the driving force for my interest of getting back to New York. But after spending a summer and then a fall semester in New York, because a lot of times people just love the summer vibe of the city. They love, you can just do happy hours and you can do this and you can do that. But when it's wintertime, it's very different. And so experiencing what life would be like and and having to commute to the city from Queens or Long Island, um, you know, that commute, especially with the Long Island Railroad, that's a real struggle. And Mm. so I I started thinking about the more practical aspects of life. And then that's when I said, okay, I think I will try to pursue an opportunity in Boston because Boston is sort of that medium where it's not as busy at all, you know, as hustle and bustle as New York can be, but it can offer you that opportunity to find more peace in your day to day. But I still wanted that really nice apartment. I still wanted all of those things. So I, I, I went ahead and I tried that because I needed to do that for myself just so that I could just see what was out there. And I was living on the water. I loved it. I was like, this is amazing. But then, you know, when I would come home to this amazing apartment, yes, I'm grateful, but I'm also recognizing that there's something that's not fully there. You know, it's important that we as people recognize when something's within us that's not fully there. And then we have to go search it so we can create ourselves or create, you know, that wholesome life for ourselves. Um, And so I think that that's kind of what I did. And I've noticed that I'm not just, 
you know, in one direction in terms of being super linear with my path. You know, I love the law. I love being creative. I really love working with people directly and talking and communicating. And so now as a business owner, I've been able to merge all of those things because I serve as counsel for the company. I also sort of am the director as it relates to the way that our communications and our creative things are going. And then also I'm able to be substantive as it relates to designing programs and building these programs and doing a lot of the consulting. So at this point, I feel as though when we are in different spaces, sometimes we feel like we have to fit into one box. And I really do not want to be constrained by what was, what was expected of me in in a lot of these different experiences. And that's okay. Absolutely. That's okay. Absolutely. You found that a lot sooner than I did. (laughs) Let me tell you that, but I can totally relate now because I feel that that's where I am, where I'm just using all of my gifts versus just feeling like I have to put myself in this one box and use this one aspect of myself. Instead, I can use all the aspects, the connecting with people, the creating of the, the being creative and the innovating, thinking of the next thing, the bigger picture and going forward. So I totally relate with everything. (laughs) Yeah. So what are some of the challenges that you might've encountered on your journey? Because nothing is linear. So (laughs) one of the biggest challenges that I've had to look away to just kind of think about that for a second, I think it has to do with sort of the internal process, because at the end of the day, I felt like I had the education. I felt like I had training. I felt like I had a lot of great mentors and I felt equipped to take these different leaps. I think where it became really difficult is dealing with commentary, you know, outside thoughts and dealing with the external perceptions of what people think you're doing or, or what they think about the things that you're doing. And I think when you are pushing through to different levels in your life, there are going to be people who you trust and who you care about, who do have opinions on the direction that you're trying to take. And you have to be able to parse through that. Um, so for me, I mentorship has been one of the biggest benefits that I have seen through undergraduate education, even higher education in terms of finding mentors more easily. I think sometimes it can be a little bit more difficult, honestly, if you don't have those connections built for you through educational programming. Um, It's 100% possible to find mentors just on professional levels. And I've been learning that, which is why I wanted to create a mentorship program that had nothing to do with higher education um, in the sense of like, you're coming to this third party external company who's helping you find a mentor and that and a mentor or a mentee so that you could give back. I think that when you have a lot of mentors though, again, a lot of opinions. So the biggest challenge for me was trying to quiet the noise and just focusing internally on what I needed and what I needed to do because there's people that didn't think I should leave my firm. There's people that didn't think that I should go to be in admissions. There's people that when I said, okay, I'm actually going to leave again because I do want to start this company now. There are people who had concerns about that. And a lot of times I had to realize it's not that somebody doesn't believe in you or that it's, it's not that you can't do it. It's a lot of times people just want you to be okay. And so they want you to be safe. They want you to seem as stable as possible. And you can't fault people for that. 
mm-hmm. but you will you will end up having to fault yourself if you stray away from going after what you want just because of what everyone else has to say about it mm-hmm. right exactly everybody has everybody's gonna have an opinion and it's it's definitely important to to really know and really be ready and really be sure about what it is that you want to do so that even if you hear those opinions you go okay i've heard that opinion and you process it but you don't base your decision on other people's opinions you make sure that it is definitely your own opinion that is definitely something that i talk to people about all the time it's like you have to make it your own because when you do things because other people want you to do them resentment anger frustration all those things come into play where they don't have to if you follow your heart you may be starving but you're going to be the happiest starving person there is right because you will have done it on your own terms and you'll be doing what you want to do. So you're just kind of like, yes, it's okay. I know that I have this dream. I have this vision. I have this dream. It's going to happen. Right. So I totally, totally understand that. Yeah. And sometimes people often think of it as, okay, I don't want to listen to opinions, but you should listen to pointers. You right. Know? If somebody's giving you their opinion on, on it, but they're making some reasonable statements as they explain why they think something might not be a good idea or they're letting you know, here are a couple of the pitfalls. I always listened intently to those mm-hmm. conversations because mm-hmm. I, know, I don't know it all. I don't know everything. None of us know everything. And right. so if somebody else has gone through something and, and they're able to share some insight that can help you on your journey to doing it, that is totally relevant. But you have to take those opinions in terms of whether you're ready to do that or whether you're able to do that with a grain of salt so that you can think deeply about how that does apply to you and whether that's true. Right. There was a book that I read this year. I think it's, um, oh my goodness, I don't know that I can remember the name, Three Feet from Gold. Okay. In Three Feet from Gold, one of the people that he speaks to in the book says, what you want to do is not necessarily take opinion. You want to take counsel and you get counsel from people who have been there and who know exactly what they're talking about versus opinion from people who have not been there and who are afraid to go there. So there's a big difference between opinion and counsel. And what you want to listen to is counsel because counsel will always take what you want to do into consideration and then give you the information you need in order to succeed. Whereas opinion is usually like naysayers. Well, (laughs) yep. We're preaching. We're really preaching right now because that is, I had to learn that the hard way. I think another thing that people don't recognize is when they're in one space, they might have a lot of those counselors for that particular experience in their life. And sometimes we think that because they were so amazing in terms of helping you think about things and conceptualize things in this one area, that they're gonna be that same way in every other area too. And what I had to learn was 
okay, no, 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 no. You have to find new counselors sometimes for mm -hmm. these new ventures and for these new goals that you're going on. And it's not even a concept of, oh, you're leaving people behind. You can definitely bring them with you through your different experiences. But again, someone who may be, who may have been a great mentor for me when I was in law school may not be the best mentor for me as I'm on this path through entrepreneurship. And sometimes the two will be, you know, the two will match and it'll be perfect. But other times there will be a difference in terms of the insight that they can provide me and way that they can encourage and support me through those different things. And knowing that it's time to find a new counselor is really, really important. Really important. Absolutely. I agree with you. Not everybody knows everything. <laughs> I think sometimes we look at other people and we think, well, they must know everything better than I do. So, you know, we want to listen to them, but it's not true. We have to trust ourselves and then find those counselors who are aligned with what we need in order to go forward. So alignment. that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Alignment. We've got to be aligned. Sure. So along your path here of getting to where you are now, Tell us a story of something that might've happened to you as it relates to diversity, equity, or inclusion, or the lack thereof, that people might find unbelievable. Because one of the things I like to say on this podcast is we're telling the stories that need to be heard and that, that need to be said and that need to be heard. Those stories that happen to us and are often gaslighted or swept under the rug as no, it didn't, but we know that they did and we know the impact that they've had on us. So what is, what is something like that that you can share with our audience? So there are so many different things popping through my mind. <laughs> I think this is more on a general level. Mm -hmm. When we're thinking about how employees need to be supported in the workplace, I think a lot of times we are looking into this area of the business and that area of the business and, and, and all of these different spaces or different environments or different departments that we have in one organization, when sometimes the answer is a lot more basic. And the answer is more so related to how people feel every day when they are connecting with this organization that they work with, or do they feel supported in the environment that they're in within this workplace? I think a lot of times when I'm thinking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and there's a little bit of gaslighting that's happening, it's because people refuse to recognize the basic importance of treating people well in the environment, being kind to people in the environment, offering support where support is needed. It could be something as small as responding to an email before it's seven days old. <laughs> as simple as knowing that someone's been trying to contact you and just you know instead of just leaving them going to voicemail and ignoring the calls you find a way to either get back to them let them know that you're really really busy and you're going to try to follow up or if you have an assistant you try to get your assistant to let them know hey i'm super busy right now can we shoot for something you know a month from now or can we shoot for something a little bit later can you get back in touch with me it can be something as simple as taking someone to lunch or getting coffee with them or even stopping by their office to check in about how things are going, especially if they're new or you are concerned about their adjustments to that particular space. I think what's unbelievable about it is that it's pretty simple. You know, but in, our, in the context of our daily lives, 
we make it out to be something that is so much more difficult than it actually is. And one thing that I, I love hearing, or actually I think I may have read it where someone was saying, people don't leave jobs, they leave their bosses. And so <laughs> I really feel like people don't think about that enough. And just sort of, when I try to process it, I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about some of the different places that I've worked. And as I mentioned, you know, prior to this, I've worked in concessions. I've worked as a barista for Starbucks, but I've also worked at a top law firm. I've also been able to work in admissions for a law school. I've been able to do a lot of these different things, but everything is consistent when we think about who the leadership is or who's leading the team, who's really creating the tone for the environment, who's letting everyone recognize what's acceptable for this team and what's not acceptable for this team. Mm -hmm. So when leaders actually lead by example and they treat their employees with kindness and respect and they're considerate about what they may or may not be going through, when there's opportunity to show the appreciation for differences in people's lives or schedule or schedules or lifestyles, these types of behaviors can really build engagement on a team. Mm -hmm. They can make people feel more connected to the, the organization, to the work, to the people that they work with. And these things can easily create deeper bonds, but we just make it a lot more difficult than it needs to be, honestly. Right. We, we do make it a lot more difficult than it needs to be. I agree. And I say all the time, it's one of the things that I say a lot and that I really want people to understand is something that you just said. It's about the top. What is happening with the person at the top is what's going to happen within their company. So a company cannot start a program without having that top person be part of that program and go through it the same as everyone else in that company. Because that, however that culture evolved it evolved from that space and if you're going to change a culture you've got to change it from where it began so you have to change it from the genesis and so it's it's so important that leadership understand they are a huge factor in terms of how the rest of the company looks at diversity, equity, and inclusion within the company. How people interact with each other is dependent on how the top people interact with the different people in the company. And it can't be expressed any stronger than that. You have to start at the top. I feel which is why I really like to work with entrepreneurs and small businesses because I feel like, okay, if an entrepreneur is getting started and they have a vision of something bigger, if you can get them started at that point where they're constantly looking at how they can be more equitable, how they can be more inclusive in their business, which like you say, is not that hard. Simply being equitable means giving people what they need in order to be successful, it's not that hard because you do it all the time. It's a matter of doing it without feeling like you have to change up how you do it because someone is of a different race or someone is of a different ability or something of that nature. Yeah, and if you so, find 
And I was even thinking, if you find that the way that you are structuring something within your business actually doesn't work for people who are of a different background, different race, different ability, then you actually do need to fix that so that someone who comes in doesn't always have to ask for exceptions or doesn't always have to ask for accommodations in a sense, if it's just reasonably inclusive to do this at a baseline. And so, right. so yeah, sometimes it does require a little bit of thinking. And I think a lot of times when people are often hiring consultants for some of this work is because they need assistance with detecting where there may be lack of inclusion or there may be a lack of equity or um, they understand that that diversity on maybe a specific levels might be lacking, but they need help figuring out, well, where are we losing the diversity or where are we failing to attract that diversity? And so right. That's where consultants can help you. Um, but in terms of recognizing, in terms of like the way that people are behaving with one another in your workplace, I know most of us are not even in offices right now, but for people who are, the whole open door policy, is it that we expect the employees to have an open door policy while all of these more senior executives have their door completely closed at all hours of the day? <laughs> um, but we expect the people who are more junior to keep their doors open. I mean, I guess, if we're thinking seniority, that makes sense. But is that inclusive? Is that consistent among everyone? If we want people to attend events that employee resource groups are putting on, are executives attending these mm -hmm. events for Black History Month or you know whatever specific celebratory month we have at that time? Or is it mainly administrative staff and a couple of more junior people that are attending these events all the time. Um, mm -hmm. We can really show where we put our value or where we ascribe value or importance to different things based on the levels of people that are engaging with it and where they are in the company. Um, mm -hmm. And there's ways for everyone to contribute to creating a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive workspace. But you know, when we think about where people are coming into an organization and taking their cues, they're taking their cues from executives, they're taking their cues from people who have been there a lot longer than they have. And so every time you bring someone new into an organization, if you're bringing them in and they're kind of just being put into this cycle of a space that is not inclusive, it is not equitable, we treat people differently here, everyone comes in with a bad attitude and nobody wants to try to fix it. Nobody cares about what you're going through at home. No one cares about why, you know, your door has been closed for two straight days. These are some of the things where if we kind of think about empathy and think about treating people the way that we want to be treated, a lot of times people want to kind of bring up the fact that, well, they're getting paid, you know, this is a job. So they should just, whatever they have going on at home doesn't matter. But that's not the case because what's going on at home can often influence your levels of productivity, the way that you feel about your job, which may in turn affect, you know, how much you want to participate in meetings, how serious you're taking guidelines and rules and regulations. So that's just kind of the way that I think about how the different people in an organization at their different levels can impact the culture of that place. Mm hmm. Absolutely. I also had another conversation. I haven't released that episode yet, but where the way that you react to the different people having the same issue is also something to explore. Yes. So if you are 
inequitable. So if you are more compassionate toward one person versus another person having the same issue, you need to take a look at that because that happens more often than not in so many workplaces. Yeah. Um, so that is definitely something that, that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of companies need to take a look at. And, and the other thing that you, that you said that I thought was really interesting or that I thought needed to be more projected more was the concessions that are made are not, are to, to be equitable. Those are not preferential treatment. This is the thing that, that, that blows my mind when people hear about equity, they're like, well, we don't want to give anybody preferential treatment. And I say all the time, I said, how is that preferential treatment? If you provide a ramp for a person who uses a wheelchair to get into your building to get to work, is that preferential treatment? Or is that simply giving them what they need in order to be successful at their job? And that's really how equity should be looked at at all times. It's not preferential treatment and it's it, it's nothing different. It's simply giving each person the tools that they need in order to, to be successful. So one person comes in and they get automatic mentorship because they look the way that the other person looks and there's more comfort there. One person comes in and they don't look like that. So they don't get the mentorship. That is preferential treatment. Exactly. If you have a system where everyone gets mentorship, yes. then that is equitable. So yes. people just need to understand the difference before yeah. they start going, well, we don't have, and it's like, you do have. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of companies have been sort of thinking about this a little bit more deeply, even as it relates to a lot of what happened earlier this year, as it relates to George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery, and how difficult that time period has been for employees in the workplace who identify as Black, mm. and how many conversations need to be had about these different topics and how that's impacting you know, these employees emotionally, mm -hmm. psychologically, and the way that maybe their identity has impacted them in the workplace might be triggered by a lot of these events. Mm. Now conversations about these things happening. And sometimes, I mean, it is shocking how it's possible to be, uh, you know, to be having polarizing conversations about the loss of life. Mm. But as we think about it, and we think about companies that created resources to give many of their Black employees the opportunity to talk about these things, whether it's offering them therapy or offering them links to getting the help that they may need, or maybe giving them flex time opportunities mm -hmm. so that they can process what's happening and deal with this so that they can actually do their work, so that they can actually be present and be available the way that the rest of the team may need. But if we totally pretend like none of this has happened, and if we totally pretend like a lot of the Black community has not been in mourning for this entire year, especially as we think about the, the impact that COVID-19 has had on diverse communities this year, mm -hmm. you don't think about what that may take out of people and how we need to kind of give something back to create, like you said, that equitable opportunity for people to do what they're all meant to do in a workplace. 
that's going to impact the quality of work. That's going to impact the way that people feel connected to their workplace. That's going to impact so many different things. And when we pretend that it doesn't, it's not equitable. Um, and you had mentioned something also that made me think uh, as you were sort of thinking, okay, this is preferential treatment or um, you're making a decision basically on, on who someone is. And if two people come in with the same issue or the same problem and they get a different reaction or a different solution than someone else, that's inequitable also. And I think it's it's been a little bit difficult as we thought about social justice and the criminal justice system this year. That's also an area where we see disparate treatment, mm. where that someone can come in, two people can come in with the same exact charges, but the way that their case ends is completely different. Mm -hmm. When we think about arrests for the same types of crimes and one person, you know, losing their life in that situation, another person not, it does create questions around whether things are equitable. But when we think about racial equity and just equity in general, it's not about preferential treatment. It's about creating the same treatment. And sometimes in order to get to the same treatment, you're going to need different things. Mm -hmm. No, there's every solution is not going to work for every single person Mm -hmm. to be a little bit more intentional about figuring out how we're going to create that equity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. To the end where everyone is treated equally. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. It is right now. What's that? We're talking about some things right now. (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) We got to do it. We got to do it. I I feel very strongly. And one of the very main reasons that I started Diversity Dish. And mind you, eight months ago, six months ago, I wasn't thinking of doing a podcast. Six months ago, I can even say three months ago, I wasn't thinking of doing a podcast, but I kept thinking about the conversations that can be had. And I kept thinking about my ability to just talk to people and to talk about these things. And I thought, you know what, this is probably the best way to do it and get the information out there. Some things have to be heard and it's not always going to be comfortable. It's not. I I say that all it's not going to be comfortable, but you know what? It's going to be worth it. Yeah. So it's like exercising. It's never comfortable <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but it's worth it, right? Eating well. There's so many things that we do that yeah. aren't comfortable, but that are worth it. This is some one of those things that that needs to be done that is worth it because in the end everybody wins. It's not about making having one segment of the population win and the other segment lose no it's about everyone being able to win because right now the way that things are the the segment of the population the white segment of the population that believes that they're winning because of these systems that are in place are actually losing so much in terms of socialization, in terms of money, in terms of emotional growth. I mean, there's so many things that they're losing that we're all losing because we can't get it together. If we could get it together, we would have more money in the economy. We would have better interpersonal relationships. We would know how to relate to each other much better. All we got to do 
is figure out how to weed out those things that have been planted and have taken root weeds that have been planted and taken root because that's weeds that's the definition of weeds they keep coming back and they strangle everything you're so right in, in, in explaining it in that way I think oftentimes people always think like oh when it's time when it's time to talk about diversity the people who need to be listening are just people who are diverse absolutely not <laughs> Maybe everyone, it, like you said, we are all losing when we are not prioritizing diversity, when we are not prioritizing equity and inclusion. No one wins there. And there is a concept that, well, things are fine. Like, you know, especially the black community, there's, there's economic growth and there's this and there's that. But at the end of the day, like you said, when we're thinking about those interpersonal relationships and we're thinking about how we could all be living in more harmony, we could all be living in more harmony. Mm. That harmony is so priceless. Like a lot of times in a lot of these conversations, people want to equate diversity, equity, and inclusion and the benefits of it with capitalist gain. And I do think that there's always an argument for why DEI impacts the bottom line. But we also have to think about those things that can't be quantified with a dollar sign, like, you know, that greater element of collaboration, like us being in social harmony together, where people, where there's just less strife among us, generally. And some people may think that that is just so, you know, I'm romanticizing the way that the future could be, and that's just unreasonable to think that way, but I can <laughs> imagine people just being more happy and positive with one another as they interact and, if we're gonna take it to the capital side, that makes doing business so much easier. That makes people experiencing life so much better. Like even when on the last podcast that I had listened to, where you were mentioned, where the where the guest was mentioning, um, you know how some of the people at the different venues would not treat them in an equitable fashion. It's like that's so unnecessary because now there's a complication as it relates to coming back to that venue again, spending your money, spending your resources with those people in, in that environment. And it can be a waste. Like mm -hmm. in a lot of our workshops, we always start with the fact that it may not be comfortable, but yeah. we're just going to walk through it because the benefits of it can outweigh that discomfort. Yeah. So when we think about racism and sexism and being biased or homophobic, those are really ideologies that we have clung to in our minds based on things that we've seen or been taught. And so we're really allowing ideologies to impact level of peace that we have in society. Like we've already talked about those capitalist opportunities for us to make money and to you know, create more economic growth. We mm -hmm. are allowing these ideologies to impact the relationships that we have on personal levels. And it's just, it's really, it doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. And we gain so much more by being connected and unified. And, and that's when we lead our workshops, that's like my favorite thing is when sometimes, you know, it can be, it can be a struggle and people are concerned. There's a lot going on. Sometimes these conversations can be difficult, but then when we realize that we all have a common goal, you know, when we realize that we're all human beings that have our own things going on and we can love each other despite that, we can build relationships and build bonds despite that, that is when I'm filled with just 
joy and satisfaction. And I feel like the mission has been accomplished. And, you know, everybody's not going to agree 100% at the end of the day. Right. But for everybody to take a moment to see their humanity and see it in each other, that is something that I really do prize. Oh, yeah. Totally hear you on that one. So how can people reach you? How can people work with Grow by Three? (laughs) There are so many ways to reach us. We are on pretty much most social networks that are particularly popular these days. So Instagram. I I think you sent us all the links. So I will have them in the show notes, but go ahead and let our audience know. I mean, Instagram probably is my favorite of our social medias just because it is, it's super creative. We have sort of our green theme, our plant theme, and I love that so much. So following us on Instagram at Grow by Three is a great way to get in touch with us. Sending us an email, team at growby3.com is one of the best ways to kind of get in touch with us if you have more of a serious conversation that you want to have or you're looking to work with us. You can also check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter. We're pretty active online and we oftentimes are hosting different events. So subscribing can be great if you want to get on the list. This upcoming, oh, tomorrow, we have a fireside chat about manifesting and achieving. And in that conversation, we also will be talking about some of the challenges to manifesting and achieving that can be present in diverse communities. So I think that that's going to be a really exciting conversation. We have some talented uh, professionals who are going to be joining us. So we try to keep things interactive, even though we're in a pandemic, but you can reach us through any of those mediums to kind of stay up to date on what's going on with us. Awesome. So with your fireside chat, is that going to be something that's recorded and put online? Can people, will be people be able to access it later? We don't have the recordings available, but we have sort of like these releases that turn into articles based on what happened during the fireside chat. So um, those are always really, really interesting. We're starting a series because we're thinking tomorrow is going to be our last fireside chat. So for the rest of the year, we want to memorialize a lot of the gems that came out of our different fireside chats. So if you're on the subscriber list, you will be getting information about how to access sort of um, the, the recaps of these fireside chats. Awesome. That's good to know. So get on the list so that they can, <laughs> <laughs> they can know where to go. <laughs> so is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would have liked to been asked and that you would like to answer right now? No, I think you asked such wonderful questions. I think the only thing that I can think of that maybe I didn't share, maybe I did share it already, is just how much better life can be when we work together and we're collaborative and the commonalities, you know, among one another. And I think that doing diversity, equity, and inclusion work can be very difficult sometimes because you're often wrestling with, like I said, these ideologies that suggest that, you know, you're not good enough or that there's one group that's superior over another. But then at the heart, when when I actually get into this work and I see how much people want to be educated and I see how much people want to learn and how many people want to bridge gaps, that is so empowering. I think that that's what keeps me doing the kind of work that I do. Um, So I'll just leave you all with that and definitely hope to connect with with you again. Like I said, once this pandemic gets together, hopefully we can get together um, in Massachusetts at some point. Um, Yes. 
Yes, I am all for it. I have I have a lot of people I want to connect with after <laughs> uh, when we can leave our houses and be completely comfortable being out that being together. I'm definitely there. <laughs> so the last question that I like to ask everybody is what is your favorite dish? Mm, food wise. Yes. Wow. This is this is this is great. I am obsessed with crab boils or seafood. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love, I think, I don't know why in this pandemic I've been eating more of them than usual. I think it's because like the pandemic has been hard on a lot of us. And so seafood boils that just have so much in them. They're so good. You can customize the different things. I absolutely love that so much. Um, I've also been trying to like get closer and closer to being vegetarian one day. And so I feel like... <laughs> lifestyle might be something that I can work with so that's one of my favorite things but also any dish my mom makes that's like my favorite I love my mother's cooking and because I can't be home to have it as often sometimes I dream about it for sure (laughs) (laughs) well great well thank you so much Kelsey for all of your very timely and very insightful information that you shared with the audience. I'm sure that everyone's going to get a lot of value from everything that you shared. So thank you so much for being here. No problem. It was a true pleasure. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please leave a review. It would mean the world, but only if it's a good one and you really did enjoy it. In which case, It would be awesome if you help support my work over at patreon.com backslash Cedrola Maruska. And finally, before you go, don't forget diversitydish.com. I'd love to work with you. See you soon.